0: Welcome back to I'm Open. Today we're going to be discussing extravagant holiday gifts, futuristic baseball, and is it possible to slide out of the DMs? All this and so much more coming up next on I'm Open. I'm Open. Family, it is great to be back together again. Thank you so much for your patience as we took a little holiday hiatus, and we are back now, refreshed, replenished, and out for revenge. Obviously, we have got a lot to catch up on, so we're just gonna jump right into the mix here. No seatbelt, no flotation device needed. We're going in, and there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot that we've been waiting to share with you guys. Of course, winter, Christmas time, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever holiday you celebrate, this is the season of giving for so many people around the world. And no, I'm not going to ask you to donate to my GoFundMe. This is the season of giving, and so many great athletes have been giving to their teammates, giving to other athletes, giving to their friends as you know displays of affection for for being such great teammates and such great friends throughout the year now this is something we see often where you know one teammate will really just surprise their teammates with with awesome gear and we've seen that a couple you know a couple different instances of that this, this uh season in this holiday season for example michael thomas of the new orleans saints he just broke the record for receptions in a single season most receptions by any player in a single season He is unguardable and he's incredible. He got every single player on his team a brand new pair of Air Jordan 11 bread sneakers. Those go retail for about $300. When you consider that there's about 45 or 50 players on the Saints, that's about $15,000 worth of sneakers that Mike Thomas gave to his friends and teammates. Now that's incredible. Now, before you feel terrible about yourself because you can't afford $15,000 worth of sneakers for all of your friends, consider Mike Thomas. He is represented, or he is a representative of Jordan brand. He is sponsored by Jordan. He wears Jordan gear, so I'm sure he at least got some sort of a special discount on the shoes if he didn't get them for free. He's a Jordan brand athlete, so I'm sure he got some sort of a special deal on those sneakers. Still, a pretty extravagant gift when you consider how many players are on a football team. Obviously, a lot less players on a basketball team. Only about 15 as compared to 50. Lonzo Ball of the infamous Big Baller brand, which he's since left. He gave every single member of his team a personalized Xbox with their number on the little case to carry the Xbox. Very cool. The guys were so excited to get it. Now, I think the younger guys, like Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, uh, Frank Jackson, I think those guys were a little bit more fired up to get it than maybe the vets on the team, like J.J. Reddick, who were like, ah could I give this to my kids but I'm sure the young cats on the team were so excited I know they were Zion was so fired up when he got his special Zion Xbox with the with the one on the front for his number now I'm sure a lot of these guys already do have an Xbox so it's kind of like what do you do with another Xbox I guess you could give away your old Xbox and keep the new one cuz you definitely you can't give away your Xbox that's personalized with your own number But, I mean, I guess maybe you could to, like, a family member or somebody who really loves them. If they sign it, give it away. Either way, very thoughtful gift by Lonzo. I'm not sure if he's sponsored by Xbox. I do know he loves video games, so it makes sense that uh, that would be the gift that he gives. Uh, Another gentleman, Kyler Murray. He was the number one pick. In the NFL draft this past season, he played pretty well in his rookie season for the Arizona Cardinals, and he gifted all of his offensive linemen their very own fat scooters. Now, this was not meant to be a sneak diss at the offensive linemen. Uh, the scooter company is spelled FAT with a PH, like uh, as in Fat Farm those of us who are old enough to remember and he gave these extra wide scooters to each of his offensive linemen which is very thoughtful because these guys average about 325 pounds they're big boys so you don't want to just give them a little razor scooter that they won't be able to use so he gave them all fat scooters they're pretty cool you can like actually sit down on them and ride them or stand up on them they look very nice and look Offensive linemen, their job the entire season is to protect the quarterback, make sure he doesn't get concussed as much as they can, make sure he doesn't break any bones, make sure sure nobody tackles him and hurts him. That's their job. So look, that's like your bodyguards, you gotta make sure they love you, you gotta make sure that they are taken care of. Obviously, that's what Kyler did. That's pretty awesome. That he gave them their own personalized scooters. Oh, they all had like a little Arizona Cardinals logo on the front. And they have the players' numbers uh, uh, like engraved on the on the scooters as well near the seat. So uh, that's a pretty awesome gift to get these guys around, save them save them some time as they travel around the neighborhood. And another gift giver was Eli Manning. Now he's a quarterback just like Kyler Murray, but he didn't really play much this season. He was benched very early on in the season in favor of rookie Daniel Jones. Now, first of all. Let's just say, it is still very thoughtful for Eli to give gifts. Any gift is a thoughtful gift. You know, don't, if, uh, you know, I know the gift-giving season is, is kind of come and gone, but, you know, next time you receive a gift, or it's your birthday, or Christmas, or Hanukkah, you know, be grateful. Be grateful. Even if it's a gift you don't really like, something you didn't really want, something you're kind of confused, why would they think that I would look good in these pants, a situation like that, just be grateful because if somebody thought of you when they were going out to buy something or make something or, or wrap it up, write a little note, they thought of you. And they put in time thinking of you. So a lot of times it's the thought that counts. Don't be disappointed because a gift isn't exactly what you want. Buy yourself exactly what you want because you're the one who fucking knows what you want. But when other people give you gifts, just be grateful because it means they thought of you and they didn't have to. So shout out to Eli. He still thought of his offensive linemen. He still wanted to give them something to show. He appreciated them, even though he didn't really play this season, so they didn't spend that much time protecting him. But I think he knows this is probably his last season in the NFL, definitely his last season with the New York Giants, so he wanted to let these guys know who who uh have been protecting him over the years how how special they are to him and how much they really mean to him. Now, Eli, I guess, though... And it's fine, but you know, so you hear about guys giving Rolexes, Xboxes, scooters, Jordans. Eli, he gave coolers. Now they're nice coolers. They're not just like shitty random coolers. They're like they're like the freaking Porsches of coolers. They are Yeti Hopper M thirties. So they're real big coolers that these guys can carry around. I guess he's assuming that these guys are going to want to carry around a lot of snacks and beer wherever they go, which is probably a fair assumption, but. It's funny because I have a feeling if Eli would have played the entire season for the Giants, he's got to give something better than coolers. I mean, coolers are fine, but you figure, I mean, okay, it's a cooler. It's fine. Like I said, you you shouldn't, you know, n- you shouldn't be negative about any gift. You shouldn't put down any gifts because people are thinking of you. It's really thoughtful for Eli to get all the coolers. And I'm sure the guys are going to love having the coolers when they go to the beach or go camping or, or what have you. But... um. I think there's like, there's levels to it, as Meek Mill says. There's levels to it. So, obviously, if he was a starter, then maybe he's getting him cars or Rolexes or who knows what Eli would have gotten him. But he's a backup. If you're a backup, you still want to get him something nice. Maybe just get him a cooler. It's a compromise. It's a compromise. He's grateful for him, but it's not that work. We're not, it's like, oh, we're not. That close, we're work friends. I appreciate you, but you know it's it's not that that serious. So I think you, you can you can read between the lines with some of these gifts. I mean, it's really thoughtful though for Eli to get the gift anyway. But you know, coolers, scooters. I I would have taken the scooter or the Xbox or the Jordans or or you know maybe a bunch of other gifts that these guys gave, gave that you know maybe didn't all come out on Instagram or, or TMZ or to the public on Twitter, but. I think the coolers are still nice. The coolers are still nice. But I think, you know, when you get the coolers, you're like, oh, yeah, it's because he was the backup. It's because he's the backup. So, you know, coolers. That's fine. That's still nice. And sometimes, you know, when you're giving gifts and receiving gifts, sometimes you think about, are you giving them something you would want? Or are you giving them something they would want? That's an important thing. If you guys haven't considered when you're giving a gift, are you giving something you would like? So that's why you're giving it. Away, because you would secretly like that, or are you giving something that that person would really like? Putting putting yourself in their shoes, and I do think, like for example, with the Lonzo situation, I mean, Lonzo, he's a he's a little bit of he he, lo- he loves to, to game, so that seems like that seems like a gift Lonzo likes. Now, everybody, I'm sure the the young guys liked it on the team, but I'm sure a lot of the older guys on the team. Or like, I mean, oh, all right. I I don't know what to do, you know. But, but I guess you can give it away. I guess you can give it to your kids or something like that. I mean, Mike Thomas, I, I'm sure all the guys are going to – everybody can use a pair of Jordans, right? And it's also when you have the right connections, you say, hey, Jordan, this is going to be a great little promo deal for us. We're going to give out all these uh, shoes and they'll know that all the Saints have mat- matching shoes. It's kind of a cool deal. Um, I think Eli, you know, even though though he didn't get the guys the most extravagant gift, it was a thoughtful gift. What would these guys like? They'd like to have some snacks. They'd like to have some beers wherever they go. It's a nice big cooler. And um, I'm sure the guys are going to be very appreciative. But, I mean, it's not like he broke the bank. Eli's net worth is about $100 plus. So, I mean, he could have bought all the guys, like, refrigerators if he wanted to. He could have bought them their own fucking ice cream truck for each guy if he wanted to. I mean, you're retiring. You, like, really gesture, gesture. Show him him something. Show him how much you care. But look, at least he feels salty. He feels salty. He said at the end of the season he didn't like being a backup. He never wants to be a backup again. Well, sadly, you know, when you're not good enough to be a startup, you're a backup. That's life, but... You know, he was a little salty. He didn't give him the the big extravagant gifts, but he still gave gifts, and it's the thought that counts. So, you know, it's the season of giving, and you know, just be grateful for the people around you, whether they gave you something you loved, whether they gave you a gift that you're gonna give back away, or throw away, or use once and never use again. Be grateful that they thought of you, and uh, be grateful that you got to celebrate the holidays together. You're listening to I'm Open Podcast. Have you chuckled? Have you learned something new? We'll send this podcast right over to a friend and make the I'm Open family just a little bit bigger. Thanks and enjoy the rest of the show. In this season of giving, another gift that rained down for all football fans around the world was yet another New England Patriots cheating scandal. And at this point, it's not. People aren't even getting outraged. People are barely even batting an eye. I mean, it's just we're used to it. We're used to it at this point. I mean, we had Deflate Gate, we had Spygate. We had whatever the fuck it was called when Tom Brady's personal trainer tried to give all the guys steroids on the team. Luckily, that worked out, and Julian Edelman came back, steroided up, and won the Super Bowl MVP award. And now we have another, I guess they're calling this Spygate 2, or Spygate 2.0, because the Patriots were spying on the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, first of all, the Bengals... Are the, are the worst team in football. And this is, that's not like an exaggeration. That's not hyperbole. They are literally the worst team in the whole league. They only won two games the whole season. So if you're gonna cheat, if there's a team you really, really need to gain an, a competitive advantage on, Maybe, for example, they should have tried that with the fucking Tennessee Titans, who just kicked their ass this past weekend and eliminated them from the playoffs. But no, they chose to use their cheating card on the Cincinnati Bengals, owners of a 2-14 record. Two wins, 14 losses. For those of you who like math and multiplication, that is seven times more losses than wins. They're not good, is the summary of that story. So, you know, the Patriots, they choose to use their cheating moment this season. It's, I mean, at this point, they, they get to cheat once a season. That's kind of, we all understand. It's like when they're casting The Bachelor. Like, you bring in one psychopath every season who's going to try to fight somebody, or maybe everybody. The Patriots, you, you let them cheat once every season just to spice things up. Just to make it interesting. So this season, for some reason, they chose to use it on the Cincinnati Bengals. I still do not understand why. I don't think I ever will, unless they somehow come out and explain why. But the Patriots had this all hidden under a guise of filming a documentary. Which I gotta say, good, good little trick there. Good sleight of hand. They were at the Bengals game the week prior the Patriots matchup with the Bengals. At that time, the Bengals were matching up with the Cleveland Browns. So the Patriots apparently are working on a documentary series about their team and organization called Do Your Job, where they follow different guys uh, who work for the team doing their jobs. So the guy who was being followed at this moment for the documentary was an advanced scout for the Patriots. So the job for our our I'm Open family members who haven't heard of this before, and I don't blame you at all. It's kind of a weird job. A lot of even sports fans probably haven't heard of this, but advanced scouts, their job is to go scout a team in advance of playing them. Makes It's all in the name, right? So for the Patriots, for example, and every team does this, not just the Patriots. This part is not cheating. This is just commonplace. Everybody does this. You send somebody from your organization, a scout, to the team you're about to play a week or two in advance of you playing them. And they don't have just have this for football. They have this for basketball, too, and and all other sports. So you are always traveling a week or two ahead of the rest of your team. So you can go kind of scout out, see what's going on, scout the team you're about to play, and, and report back to your team. So allegedly, the purpose of this trip was to follow the advanced scout, film him doing his job for the Do Your Job piece. But... As they often do with the New England Patriots, things cross the line just a bit. So the video crew eventually started filming the Cincinnati Bengals sideline, which definitely is not allowed. Now, the advanced scout was not on the sideline. Uh, He was not obviously with the Cincinnati Bengals coaches. So it doesn't really make sense that the documentary crew would have to film the coaches and sideline of the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, these guys, the film crew, they were caught. And that's why I'm talking about this. That's why we all know about this. The film crew was caught by a member of security for the Cincinnati Bengals. And footage came out actually of recorded by one of the security members who had caught this Patriots videographer red handed. And he said, this is this is from the words of the security guy. He said, come on, guys, I don't see the advanced scout in this footage. So they're saying, yeah, we're just doing this to do a profile on the advanced scout. Well, where the fuck is he? Show him to me in the in the in the movie. It's like saying we're doing a movie starting, starring Leonardo DiCaprio and, and, uh, whole time he's not in the shot. And you say, oh yeah, he was there though, but he just wasn't on screen. Well, that's not a movie about Leonardo DiCaprio, is it then? And that's exactly what we had here. So so they're filming. They said they just wanted some perspective of the sideline. Well, that perspective of the sideline is cheating. You are not allowed to film other teams' coaches. You are not allowed to film other teams' sidelines. If you really want to see other teams' sidelines, honestly, just watch the game. Because they show people sidelines a lot. But you're, you're not really allowed to to film their coaches and their signals. Because you can get a competitive advantage, as if the Patriots even needed a competitive advantage over the fucking Cincinnati Bengals. And, honestly... I could have been maybe swayed that this guy was just dumb, honestly, and just not fully prepped on the rules. I I mean, the Patriots are the rulesiest organization, which is ironic because they're the cheatiest organization as well. But they also know the rules so well that they know how to manipulate and negotiate through all the different loopholes that there may or may not be in these rules. So, the Patriots if any organization, top to bottom, has a great understanding and knowledge of the rules, it should be the Patriots. So it's already kind of surprising that this this member uh of the media here, or this documentarian, I guess, employed by the Patriots, wouldn't fully understand the rules. But I guess I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he was just brought in just to do film stuff. Maybe he's more of a documentary film background. He doesn't really have a football background. Maybe he hasn't worked that long for the Patriots. Maybe he's just sort of a consultant or contracted worker. And and so maybe he doesn't know that much about football rules and, and, and dynamics. But the way the guy responded to me, that was just the biggest red flag of all. Of all. Because as soon as he was caught, the guy started apologizing and apologizing and saying, look, I mean, I can just delete it right now, man. I'll just delete it right now. Look, I'll just press X and just delete it. I could just delete it. I could just delete it. And it's like, if you knew you didn't do anything wrong, if you knew you weren't doing anything wrong, you say, look, man, this is just for a documentary. It's not a big deal. You got to go ahead on this one. And uh, don't worry, we're not using this. Through. The coaches are not going to see this. The team is not going to see this. This is going to come out in a year or two when we release our documentary series. But immediately, the guy was acting like somebody who had just gotten caught sliding into the DMs. Like, like his girlfriend or partner or boyfriend had just caught him sliding into somebody else's DMs, and he's like, "Oh, well, I mean, look, I could just—I'll delete it right now. Look, delete it right now, and it just goes away. It goes away if I delete it." But what, what you know, what, what you don't understand when you try to make excuses like that, when you try to recover your for yourself in a, that that type of way, the damage has already been done, and that's exactly. What? Man, I would love to get an interview. If every if anybody knows or has a connection to this gentleman here for the Bengals uh, security crew, we would absolutely love to get him here on the I'm Open podcast because he wasn't taking shit. He's the one who knows how to do his job. Maybe the Patriots should fucking hire him for their do your job segment. And even though... From, from the coaches to the, to the players, the Bengals are having a very tough season, had a very tough season. It just wrapped up. They didn't do very many things well or even competently. Um, but the one thing they're fucking good at, security, stadium security. You got to shout out this guy. He is the shining star. He is the MVP of the Cincinnati Bengals. And we would love to get him here on the I'm Open podcast and just discuss this whole thing because he got the guy red handed. And the, and the guy was, like, begging, like, look, man, just let me delete it. I don't even have a flash drive. I don't even have another computer. Like, I can't load this. Like, I don't even have Wi-Fi here. I, like, how could I have done this? I, 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 I can't connect it. I can't email it to anybody. I mean, I, what, what what he was, like, babbling, and the guy was like, look, the damage is done. And he even laughed at him. So I just, man, I would have loved to see this guy. Seemed like he just had an old school way about him. He wasn't taking all this guff. He wasn't taking all this flowery language and excuses and bullshit from these Patriots guys. And he was just like, the damage is done. He actually filmed with his camera, the camera the Patriots had filmed with, to show the footage that they were taking. So they couldn't then go back and delete it and be like, oh, we don't know what you're talking about. This guy's just crazy. I mean, Patriots, they always make us look bad. You know... We're fucking tired. We're tired of it. Everyone is tired of the Patriots always playing the victim. Like everybody in the league hates you guys. Stop. Just stop cheating then. Stop cheating. It's like the one friend you have who every time you come over to your house... Like, knocks something over, accidentally, like, punches a glass of water, accidentally knees over the whole table and all the snacks fall on the floor, accidentally puts, leans their elbow down on your fish tank and shatters the fish tank. And you're like, dude, just fucking stop. And they're like, well, why are you always picking on me every time I come over? And you're like, well, why are you always breaking shit and spilling shit every time you come over? Maybe you're the clumsy one. Maybe we're not the ones picking on you. Right? We all have that one friend who just straight-up karate chops a wine glass every single time you go out to dinner. And it's like, really? We can't get through one hour without just spilling wine on my pants? But we all know that friend. And eventually, it's, you know, it's a, it's not me, it's you type situation, right? And that's the way it's going on with the patriots. How many other cheating scandals have there been? How many? Name, just name name a few, I'll wait. I thought so. Cause there had, like, every year, like fucking clockwork, there's another Patriots scandal, there's another Patriots cheating incident, and they're saying it's just allegations, whatever, but nobody else even has fucking allegations against them. Just the Patriots. So obviously, the guy's reaction, sometimes the reaction tells you all about the action. That's deep. Just think about for, think about that for a second. Sometimes the reaction tells you everything you need to know about the action. I don't need to know exactly, even though we do have the footage, I don't even need to know exactly what the guy was filming or where or when or why or how. Because the way you reacted, like, no, look, man, I'll delete it right now. Just watch me. Watch me delete. Look, just delete. X, delete. It's like it was never here. It's like it never happened. We could just wipe our brains and pretend it never happened. One, two, three, delete. Let's hold hands and just say delete. And then we'll pretend this never happened. And it's like, that is somebody backtracking like a motherfucker. That is a backtrack. Oh, man, that is a backtrack. When you slide into the DMs, you can't slide back out of the DMs. That's not how it works. You can ask the Ogadi. You could ask anybody. I mean, (laughs) the damage has been done. I couldn't have said it better myself than the gentleman working for Bengal Security did. The damage has been done. You already did it. It's not about whether you actually murdered somebody. If you try to murder somebody, that's already a crime. If you try to shoot somebody in the face and you miss, they don't just let you go back and, and go to the arboretum and then go buy some cupcakes and just go about your day. No, that's that's when you you still fucking get arrested if you try to commit a crime. And I'm not saying this is a crime. It's a it's a football crime. It's breaking a rule. But the intent was already there. Deleting it doesn't matter, right? So the Patriots have been caught again. And just stop. Just stop. We'll stop pointing the finger at you when you stop cheating. It's easy. It's a simple one one two punch. It's a simple answer. While we're in New England, we can't help but think of our friend Lil Vinny, Massachusetts' hottest up-and-coming young rapper. Now, Vinny, on episode 42, we discussed the Patriots. That's his favorite team, and he told us, that he didn't think Tom Brady was coming back next season. He thought this was going to be his last season for the Patriots. And, you know, at the time, people couldn't believe it. A lot of people thought, where is Vinny getting this, this information? where does he have inside sources or what's going on? But just recently, it's come out that Tom Brady has left a local charity in Boston, Best Buddies. Now... He was, there was a Best Buddy Challenge, which is a charity event held every year in the Boston area. Tom Brady had been a co-chair of the event for 16 years. And this is the, this is the great triumvirate. Three Kings Day just happened. This is my fucking Three Kings Day. The, the, this is, listen to this. The guys, the three co-chairs of the event are Congressman Joe Kennedy, Celebrity Chef Guy Fieri, and Tom Brady. Now that is those are three. That's just a that's a special collection of three white guys. If I've ever seen one, three interesting different white guys of different diverse white backgrounds. Congress, football, tater tots. They they got they got it all. They got it all. And and. Tom Brady, after 16 years, he no longer wants to be charitable. Well, okay, we took it a little too far. He still does want to be charitable. He still is going to be involved with Best Buddies. But as the international, international ambassador, global ambassador, excuse me, no longer is he the direct connect here to the Massachusetts chapter. He's passing that on to his teammate and friend, Julian Edelman. So is the writing on the wall here? Is this the first little sign that we that we see that maybe Little Vinny was right? Maybe Little Vinny knew something that we don't know, that everybody else didn't know. Because he's still going to be the global ambassador. So that means he could go anywhere in the world and be ambassador. He doesn't have to be in New England. So does that mean he's starting to think about taking the show on the road, taking the Brady Bunch to a new place, to a new team? Tom, he didn't really give us many hints here. He just said, I'm incredibly proud of all the things that we have accomplished with the Best Buddies Challenge in Hyannisport over the years and look forward to continuing to support the organization as a global ambassador. He didn't say I'm officially leaving Boston. He didn't say I'm officially moving. But why would you just cut ties with this charity that he's been involved with for 16 years just on a whim? I don't think he's... I mean, it doesn't seem like he's getting tired of charity. He says he still wants to have a relationship with the best buddies. But he doesn't want to be connected to their Boston branch anymore. So, look, obviously we'll be monitoring this story. One of the biggest stars in football. A lot of people would say the best football player who ever has lived. Six-time Super Bowl champion, Tom Brady. Could he be going to a new team? Is him leaving this charity, Best Buddies, of Hyannisport? Is this the first sign? Is the writing now on the wall? Was little Vinny right? Should we all have just listened to Vinny when he told us that this was going to be Tom's last season in New England? We'll have to see. But this surely means something. What does it mean? I'm not totally sure. But does it mean something? I think it does. I think it does. Tom must be looking. He must be looking over his shoulder. It's like the meme of the guy holding hands with the one girl, but looking over his shoulder. That's what Tom Brady is doing right now. He's living in a meme. And he's looking back over his shoulder saying, well, there's a lot of other coaches that aren't assholes and that smile. And I'm 42 years old. I've been getting concussed for years now. And I have kids. And I've been living in Boston this whole time. It's a little cold up here. Maybe, maybe he's starting to consider the options. Maybe he's starting to look over his shoulder and maybe this is just the first sign with best buddies and the change there. So obviously we will be monitoring this. We will keep you guys posted on whatever happens with this Tom Brady saga. But the first domino has dropped and how many dominoes will continue to drop? No one knows. No one knows, but we will see. And we'll be there to help you guys pick up all the pieces when it happens. You're still listening to I Am Open. Don't forget to give us a rating. Write us a review and follow us on Instagram at I Am Open underscore pod. Enjoy the rest of the show. Of course we know the Patriots love cheating. The Patriots of baseball, without the titles, but with the cheating, are the Houston Astros. Now, they, they do have one title. They seem like they could be on their way to more, and, and we did talk about their cheating scandal recently, even though it wasn't enough to bring them a World Series uh, against the Washington Nationals. But this cheating scandal now in baseball is beginning to make leadership of MLB Major League Baseball wonder if there's a better way to prevent cheating and to prevent sign stealing, which is what the Houston Astros were going after. Now just to quickly break it down for the I'm Open family members around the world who might not be big baseball heads. That's okay. That's why it's the fucking I'm Open family and we love you guys for being here. So sign stealing, here's what it is. Before every single pitch, the pitcher looks down at the catcher. Now, if you've seen a baseball game, you've probably seen the catcher wiggling his fingers around, making one, two, three different symbols in his sort of groin crotch area in between his legs. And sometimes the catchers even have, like, uh, neon or or bright-colored, maybe white uh fingernail polish on their nails so the pitchers can see their nails and fingers really clearly. Now, the point of this, they're not just fumbling around down there. The point of this is each number on their hand that they're showing, one, two, three, et cetera, represents a different pitch and the pitcher's arsenal. Curveball, fastball, slider, changeup, etc. cetera, right? So based on, and that's why the pitcher is shaking his head yes and no, right? So the pitcher and catcher are communicating, showing these signs to decide which pitch to throw in any given moment. You know, the benefit of sign stealing, you know, for the Houston Astros is, if you know what pitch is going to come... It's a lot easier to prepare for that pitch. Fastballs generally are around 95 miles an hour. Change ups could be 75 to 85 miles an hour. So there's a big difference in terms of preparation, swing speed, when you start swinging, where you're, you know, where you're swinging, if you're expecting the ball to drop or or not at the, you know, curveballs drop at the end of the pitch. Fastballs just basically come in straight, sliders kind of swerve at the end. So knowing the pitch helps you know how to swing and helps you hit it better. So that's what the Houston Astros were doing. It seems like it's been working pretty well because they've been one of the best teams in the league over the past few years. So now the MLB, Major League Baseball, is considering some remedies here and ways to fix this cheating problem. In this one, this is like Black Mirror Baseball right here. I could not believe that this was genuinely the, the solution they came up with. But the MLB is thinking of having lights inserted inside of the pitcher's mound, a little series of lights that would be controlled by the catcher. So the catcher has some sort of a little remote control. I don't know where he would keep it on his glove or in his back pocket. I don't know where he would keep it. It seems kind of complicated, but the catcher has some sort of little remote control. So instead of using his fingers at all, he's pressing on the remote control. The pitcher sees it light up under his You know, under the pitching mound, so allegedly or hypothetically, only the pitcher would be able to see the light that would tell him what to throw. Another idea they had would be a random number generator that that the pitcher and catcher would wear. So every single pitch, there would be a random number generator. It would tell you, okay, this time two is for fastball, one is for slider, three is for curveball, next time one is for curveball, two is for fastball. Every pitch, the random number generator would randomly generate a new series of numbers connecting to each pitch. The pitcher and catcher would both see that, and that would be how they would decide to to throw the pitch. Now, I appreciate That they want to stop the cheating in baseball. I appreciate that they're thinking about this. But this just seems like we jumped the shark here. Could we not think of anything more just simple and straightforward? The guy's literally wearing like a strap-on random number generator that's paired to the other guys. And then every single time they change the signs. Like even if I'm looking down at it, it's like these guys are throwing like 150 pitches in the game. I'm not saying each pitcher. I'm saying... Total, each team throws 150, 200 pitches in a game, so each time you're telling me you're changing the signs, how confusing is that going to be for the catcher? Each time you look and you're like, wait a sec, was this one a slider? Is number two a slider this time or was that last time? Now number two, is that a fastball this time? I mean, it's going to be hard for these guys to keep up with it. And they've already tried some of these wearable devices, random number generators and also these earpieces. All these guys say it's uncomfortable. You don't want to have this, like, little strap-on thing on, you know, little strap-on computer number generator. I don't even know where you would put it. You don't want to have, like, an AirPod in where the catcher and pitcher, pitcher talk back and forth to each other. These are all way too complicated. They are. Now, I like the idea that they're going to stop cheating, but it literally sounds like they got one of the guys from Black Mirror or Westworld or some shit to try to come up with a solution. Because now all of a sudden baseball is the old sort of America's pastime tradition. The same way it's been played since the Civil War. That's the whole thing people fucking love about baseball. Right? All these traditions like guys chewing tobacco on the field and the managers who are like 70 years old having to wear the same uniforms as the players. All these traditions in baseball getting to throw the ball at People and hit them, you know, because you're mad at them and it's totally fine being allowed to fight each other. All these old traditions of baseball that they are hold so near and dear and yet they're willing to strap random number generators to guys or have lights coming out of the fucking pitcher's mound to tell them what pitch to throw. And what's the, how's the catcher gonna be pressing on the remote control every single time? Then the guy can just look over his shoulder and see what number he's pressing on the remote control. Like this is, it's, it's way too complicated. I mean, I like the thought, but the, the, the action, the execution is just not there. And somebody who seems like they probably agree with me is Pete Rose. Now, ironically, Pete Rose is the most famous baseball cheater of all time and and maybe the one of the most famous sports cheaters of all time. Even though he didn't really directly cheat, I mean, he... He bet on his, he bet on baseball, but he was mostly like betting on his own team to win. So that's not necessarily cheating, but surprise, Pete Rose, he doesn't really think it's a big deal. He's not really worried about sign stealing. And he says he might not have the signs. He might tell you wrong. Now, if you're looking for a low and away breaking ball and the guy throws an up and in fastball, you just got one off the kisser. And look, it takes a guy of a certain generation to use the word kisser. Uh, but yeah, he's right. A fastball off the kisser, that would fucking hurt. A 98-mile-an-hour baseball-to-the-face, No one wants that. So I understand what Pete Rose is saying. You can think you have the sign, but if you somehow misinterpret the sign, if the other team pulls some sort of a misdirection, make you think two is a fastball, but it's actually one, then suddenly you're waiting on the pitch and it's a fastball and you missed it. He's right. There's ways that you can play into guys if you think they're stealing. And to go on, he says, just throw one right at his head and he'll get away from stealing signs. You police your own area. Players have knowledge on how to police the area when it needs to be policed. And I mean, that seems like a threat. Not that he's threatening anybody individually, but it's like, yeah, guy, you know, hey, guys mean to you, just throw a baseball right at his face. That'll teach him. I mean, I don't know if in twenty twenty if that's really the mindset we need to be uh proposing and promoting in terms of like, yeah, just throw it at his face. Let him see what he says then. (laughs) Ha But um I, I guess I see what he means that, you know, baseball is a game of traditions and players have, have a way of policing themselves. They don't like it when you throw bats. They don't like it when you jog too slow. There's all these little unwritten rules. And maybe he just thinks that baseball has a way of just maintaining its old cultural integrity and doesn't need all this fancy uh, technology. Now, I think I probably fall somewhere in the middle. I don't think necessarily the best answer for this is just start throwing baseballs at everybody's face until they, fig- I mean, cause how do you know if they're cheating or not until like retrospect? Like now we're figuring out all these cheating issues from the Astros like over the past several years as players and, and different, you know, a staff of the Astros leave and go to other teams, stuff starts to leak out. So in the moment, it's kind of tough to know if guys are cheating or not. So if we're just going out here, just like throwing baseballs at everybody's faces, just to because they may or may not be cheating, that could get a little dangerous, and with a lot of cracked skulls and broken jaws, which I I don't think it's a great idea. But on the other hand, I do think it maybe is a little too far gone that we're now considering like attaching random number generators to pitchers and putting like light up shit in, in the in the pitcher's mound. I mean, it's maybe somewhere in the middle. And I know Bill Belichick somewhere is praying that the NFL never tries to insert their own random number generators or their own remote controls or or, or light up systems or anything because, uh, well, you know what, never mind, because even if they do, I'm sure he'll figure out a way to get around it and hack into the, hack into the remotes or see the lights using some sort of a crazy reflecting mirror system or something, so I guess he's probably not too worried about it. (laughs) I'm Open Family. As we all know, there's something we have to do every single time before we say goodbye. That is to recognize our Mask Off Performer of the Week. This recognition is inspired by the revolutionary musical artist, a legend of our time, Future. Thank you so much, Future. Mask on. Fuck it, mask on. Mask on. Fuck it, mask on. This is our mask off award that we give every episode. That is to recognize someone who has taken their mask off and revealed something new about themselves. It doesn't have to be good. It doesn't have to be bad. It just means they've taken their mask off and showed us something new that we didn't know about them before. That's why it's our mask off award. So, this week, our mask off award goes to Andy Ruiz. Now, Andy, I love him. He, shout out to him because he made me watch my first boxing match ever. I have never like sat down, turned a TV on or found an illegal stream or whatever I had to do and and said, I am going to watch this boxing match and see what happens. And credit to Andy Ruiz because he's the one. He's the one who made me want to watch two guys punch each other in the face back and forth. For about a half hour. Each round, these guys are heavyweights. So each round was only like two or three minutes, I think. So like by the time each of the guys get a couple punches in, hop around the ring a little bit left and right, and like do that little thing where they like kind of hug each other and then like kind of gnash their necks against each other and then the like ref breaks them up. And by the time they all get to do that a couple of times, I mean, the rounds are over. The thing goes pretty freaking quick. It's not like these these football games and baseball games that you have to basically block off your whole day and cancel all your plans. Andy, the reason he inspired me is because, you know, the same reason he inspired so many people. And I know we've talked about him previously on the I'm Open podcast, but you know, I'll say his story again, just because it's so awesome. I mean, this is a guy who, when you look at him, does not necessarily look like he would be a super athlete, but he is prior to his recent bout with Anthony Joshua which sadly he lost I was rooting for him but you know frankly he didn't really deserve it and Joshua uh, he he boxed he he boxed really well he had a great fight and he had a great strategy against Andy Ruiz which basically was just running around and not get not letting Andy catch him not staying still enough for Andy to catch him and you know, the first fight, there was all these jokes. Andy Ruiz came in at about six foot, 270 pounds. On the other side, Andy Joshua, about six six, two thirty, 230, just looking ripped. Looking like he probably could have gone out and played any sport he wanted to or modeled or whatever. And meanwhile, Andy Ruiz is over here looking like he just came back from Pollo Campero. But Andy kicked Joshua's ass the first time. He showed that it's not about... The cover of the book, it's about the story in the book. Ooh. So so Andy came out. He was throwing lefts, rights the first time they, they, they had a matchup. Andy was a last-moment replacement for a gentleman who was taking performance-enhancing drugs. And uh, they caught him right on time. So they said, you're not going to fight Joshua. We need somebody else. Andrew Reeves stepped up. He was pretty unheralded and unheard of. But he'd only lost once in his whole career. And he had never been knocked out in his life. And he had a confidence to him that he could hang with Joshua and even beat him. And that's exactly what he did. He shocked the world. And he immediately became my favorite boxer. He's a sweet guy. He's sponsored by Snickers and Jaritos. He got a great smile. And I was. this was my, you know, moment. This was my boxing moment. And I was really looking forward to the match. Looking at these guys standing next to each other looked kind of like the number 10 uh, in terms of their body shapes. Not saying that's good or bad. It's just a contrast there. And Joshua, he had the height on him. He had the, the fitness on him. And Ruiz, he came back for a second match. He had gained almost 20 more pounds. So rather than trying to trim down and stuff and get more on Joshua's level, he was, he was diving deeper. He was going in even further on, I guess, his advantage of, of having the weight and power over Joshua. He was almost up to 290 by the second time they fought. And, you know, I've listened to interviews with Ruiz and I've heard him talk. He, he thinks his weight and his, his power is an advantage. And I thought so too. He's shorter, he's lower to the ground, he's got a nice sturdy base, and he is powerful. That's why it's hard to knock the guy down. Joshua's punching down to, to to Ruiz. Ruiz is already down closer to the ground. He's got a nice strong stance. You're not gonna knock the guy over. You're just not. He is a tough, thick little guy. And I mean he's not little, but he's he's just a he's thick, he's hard to knock over like a tree stump. And I thought this might even help him. I was like, maybe he realized something that we all didn't realize that he can really use this to his advantage. But that wasn't exactly what he had in mind. Because after the loss, this is what he said when he was caught coming out of the airport the day after the fight. He said, even out of the shape, even the way I was training back and forth between Mexico and California, I did pretty good, dude. I did pretty good. But I wish I had taken it more serious. So, look... I still love Andy. I still got his back. But I'm giving him the mask off award this week because of the vulnerability he's showing to admit, look, I wish I took this more serious. And they asked, you know, if he was in shape. And he said, no, I think I ate everything, everything. That's why I gained so much faith. Wait, I was just having too much fun. I was celebrating too much, just being with my friends and celebrating, drinking a few more Coronas than I should have. How many athletes do we have that actually just come out and say, you know what, I was drinking too much, I was partying too much, but I still feel like I did pretty good considering the fact that it was pounding Coronas and in Snickers the whole time. I mean, I feel like I I did pretty good. (laughs) You gotta love that honesty from Andy, and that's why, I mean, that's why he's our mascot performer of the week, and that's why I still love him even though he had the loss, and I, I really hope he gets a rematch because... He's not ashamed by it. He's disappointed in himself. Sure. He wish he thinks he could have done better. But considering the fact that he just partied and chowed down for for about six months, he did pretty fucking good. He did all right. And the natural talent is still there. He had a couple shots where he really looked like he shook up Joshua in the match. But it just wasn't enough to hang with him. And he just didn't have the energy to hang with Joshua who was dancing around the ring. But who wouldn't? I mean who wouldn't I honestly it would be kind of disrespectful to the public to be like oh no like it's fine like i took it just as serious and and you know i'm just as good as i ever was right i respect andy for being like you know what nobody knew i was famous before nobody knew who i was at all <laughs> nobody knew who i was famous nobody knew who i was so he wasn't famous right he didn't have a big following And now, suddenly, the president of Mexico is inviting him to come have dinner with him in person. He's got all these huge sponsorships. Everybody wants a piece of Andy Ruiz. Everybody wants to interview him. Everybody wants to party with him. Migos are shouting him out. He did what probably most of us would do. He soaked it all in. He soaked it all in. He'd been working his whole life for this. Suddenly, all these celebrities and superstars and famous people, politicians, people around the world, they want to hang with Andy Ruiz. They want to party with Andy Ruiz. And this is kind of his moment. And like, yeah, should he have focused more on the fight with Joshua and then he could have really had his big moment? Yeah, he probably should have. But then there's still no guarantee he would have won. I mean, Joshua's an incredible fighter. He is. So you got to hand it for Andy for just being honest and saying, you know what? I got a little carried away. And I think... We still love him. The Andy Ruiz fans around the world still love him. I'm not trying to say this Joshua at all. He had a great fight. He's an incredible fighter and he seems like a really good dude as well. And it seems like the guys get along well. But there's not many athletes that just admit like, you know what? I got a little wrapped up. I got a little wrapped up in the game outside of the actual game. You know, I get, you know, going out, eating, partying. And that's okay. That's honestly okay. I'm glad that he's just sharing, look, the lifestyle got to me and it was fun and I was having a great time and I can still smile about it and next time I'll take it a little more serious and drink a few less Coronas. So shout out to Andy Ruiz for being honest and for enjoying his fucking life because he only lived once and for enjoying his moment and look, he still didn't embarrass himself. He didn't win, but he hung in there against Joshua. He lasted every single round, and, and Joshua won by a decision there at the end. He threw in some good shots of his own, but look, he admitted, I was parting. I was turning up. So obviously, we all can't wait to see if uh, there's a Joshua Ruiz 3, the rubber match, to see if Ruiz can come back on him and maybe a little bit in better shape this time. But props to him for being honest. Just saying, yeah, the lifestyle kind of got to me, and I enjoyed it, but... He didn't seem to regret it that much. He's like, look, I still did pretty good. And obviously he had a great time. So Andy, we still got your back. The Andy Ruiz star is still rising. Don't count him out yet, folks. Thanks for listening to I'm Open. We hope you had as much fun as we did. Don't forget to give us a rating, write us a review, tell a friend to listen to the show, and follow us on Instagram at I'mOpen underscore pod. Everybody, have a great night, and don't forget to stay open.